This is a Stimulus Network podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of For What It's Earth. Uh, it's just me this week, and that's because I caught Lloyd feeding plastic straws to turtles, so I had to fire him from the podcast. I'm just kidding, of course, Lloyd would never do anything to harm turtles. He's a marine biologist after all. But he'll be back in the studio with me next week. So today I wanted to release this episode because with all of the talk this week in the news about the UK government's plan to ban and restrict some single-use plastics uh, starting next year, I thought it would be a really great chance to give you a bonus episode um, featuring the full extent of my chat with the lovely Libby Bowles. Here's a reminder of who she is. Hi, my name's Libby and I am a marine conservationist and educator. Great. So that's who she is and you'll hear lots more from her later. She really is wonderful. So anyway, this week, the UK government have announced that as of April 2020, uh, they're going to be banning plastic drinking stirrers for sale in the UK, which is great because apparently we use up to 316 million of them every year, which seems absurd. Uh, and also plastic cotton buds and plastic straws are going to be restricted for sale. Uh, so they reckon that we use in the UK alone, or sorry, in England alone, we use, I think, 4.6, 4.7 billion plastic straws every year, which is absolutely crazy. And using this, with this new measure, restricting them from sale, uh, hopefully that will fall to 44 million, which still sounds like a lot, but that's still a huge drop in things that don't need to be ending up in the ocean. And, you know, I can hear you saying, why don't we just ban them properly? Um, which I can understand. That was my first thought, too. So I, I did a bit more reading and there's a lovely article on the BBC News, which you can read all about it on. But basically, plastic straws are still going to be on sale, but they're only going to be on sale in registered pharmacies because actually they do have a very interesting medical component to them as well. They're not just, you know, for us to drink our gin and tonics out of in the sun. Um Many people in care or in disabled communities actually rely on plastic straws in order to keep hydrated if they have problems drinking. So by restricting them completely, that could really impact their lives. So that's why they're only going to be for sale at registered pharmacies. And plastic cotton buds are actually only going to be available for laboratories and um, kind of things like forensics and testing. So that's great. We won't be able to use those anymore. Anyway, baby steps in the right direction. This is all very exciting. Obviously, a lot more is needed. Uh, I think we still need to look quite heavily at our use of plastics in bottles and food packaging. But I do kind of think that actually like the global social media shaming of use of plastic bottles has really kind of helped lead to this. So crack on, guys. Keep shaming various plastic items. Um, you know, the more we do and the more traction grows around things like this, the more, you know, governments have to listen. And this is a great example of that. Anyway, I'm going off on one. Back to why we're here and why you've got me in your ears. Libby, so she featured in one of our earlier episodes, the one where we looked at plastics and what you and I could do to make a little bit of a difference. But she actually had heaps more interesting stuff to say. You know, we could only fit in five or ten minutes um, of, her, of her chat, but she's awesome. So without further ado, let's just dive back in and you can hear more from Libby herself. And I'll see you at the end. <laughs> So Libby, last year you did something pretty cool, right? 
I certainly did. In the summer of 2017, I built myself a bamboo bicycle and uh, travelled all around New Zealand on it, talking in schools about the ocean pollution problem and single-use plastics. So I left the UK in October 2017. I stopped off in Australia on the way and talked in about... 10 schools around Sydney and then headed over to New Zealand. I started in Auckland, um, cycled up to the top of New Zealand and then all the way down to the bottom of New Zealand, stopping and giving 105 talks at 65 different schools. 105? 105 talks. It was quite exhausting. (laughs) So I started... It was, uh, I was there for around four months and some of that time was school holiday. So I actually only had about a hundred, I think it was 109 days of school term time and I gave 105 talks. That is a full on schedule. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. I had this idea in my head that I would kind of maybe talk in, you know, in a village or a town in different schools throughout the week. And then at the weekend, maybe we would do beach cleans and make art with all of the things that we'd found. But um, very quickly, my trip got picked up by the national press. And as soon as that happened, I was flooded with requests to go to different schools. So it then became um, a bit of a logistical mission just to get from school to school quick enough so that I could do all of the talks that that people were asking me to. I can imagine. Yeah. Why did you choose bamboo to make your bike? Uh, there were some rules to my bike, which I'll okay. explain maybe. Um, the I, I like the sustainability of it. I like with a bicycle that it's it's very accessible. People can relate to it really easily. If you turn up to a school in an electric car or a Porsche or something else, it's not something that everyone can kind of achieve or conceive as something that's everyday to them whereas a bicycle is just so everyday everyone can relate to it and you really experience the environment in all its glory whether it's rain or shine or wind or whatever you're kind of completely immersed in your environment and I love the fact that it allows you just to kind of stop and talk to people and have these kind of chance encounters that always lead to wonderful things along the way so a bicycle was it uh, it was a little bit hypocritical because I flew to New Zealand Ooh. to uh, <laughs> to start the trip on my bike. So that part was not carbon footprint or was very carbon footprint-tastic. But uh, we decided that since I'd never done bicycle touring before mm-hmm. and I'd never really cycled by myself much before, that actually I would be allowed as a first country to visit to take a flight there. We'll give you uh, a pass on that one, I think. You did a lot of good while you were there. Okay. We'll, uh, we'll l- let you have that, I think. I pedaled a long way. So I, I, pedal, I pedaled about 2,500 kilometres in that time. Blimey. Up all sorts of hills. I encountered, I don't know how many dead possums on the road. And so it had some kind of fairly uh, thrilling, I suppose, close misses with vehicles and Ooh. lorries and whatnot. But... It was an amazing trip and I just met the most incredible people who helped me along the way. And everyone was really kind of really, really full on uh, enthusiastic about the the mission that I was on. So New Zealand was only a week behind the UK and watching Blue Planet 2. So I arrived in the middle of the series being aired. And so it was just the absolute perfect time to kind of pitch up saying, hi, I'm here to talk about ocean plastics and I will come into your school and I have six years experience teaching in primary schools and six years experience working as a marine conservation biologist. So I know what I'm talking about. And I really want to come and present this to children in a way that's accessible, explains what the problem 
problem is, why we need to change our consumer behaviour and what it is that children can do. So my talk was very much about empowering children to realise that actually they've got the power to change the world as they are now. They don't need to wait until they're adults to make big changes, which I think is is what we should be telling children if we're not filling children with the belief that they can change the world now then we are doing something really really wrong and we're missing a trick so it was all about yeah empowering children to realize what superpowers they have and that they can make small changes in their own behavior uh, and in their community to have a really really big impact and what impact did you see while you were out there from the children so on a kind of personal anecdotal level, I saw several children go into cafes and there was one little boy who I'd spoken at his school and he, he was walking into a cafe with his mum and I thought, oh, I wonder if he's going to remember to say no straw thanks with my drink. And so I went into the cafe and watched as this huge hearted five year old little child, Archie, marched up to the counter and he waited for his turn. And when he got to the counter, he said, I want some orange juice, please. But I don't want a straw because I really love turtles and I don't want my straw to end up in the sea by mistake and kill a turtle. And it was just absolutely amazing because... What happened next shows that you don't have to go and clear up every beach. You don't have to boss people around to make a really big impact and a a huge difference. So he kind of said this in this very kind of heartfelt way. And the three people who were waiting in the queue behind him all said no straw thanks when they got to the front of the queue. And I just thought that's such a perfect example of how just by being completely awesome, children can affect people around them and make a really positive impact and a positive change. So his mother was slightly embarrassed because he said it really, really loudly, but it was just brilliant. And the following week, the school relayed to me that he'd gone back into that cafe and the guy who was serving him remembered him and said, I remember you, you don't want a straw because you like turtles. And he said, yes, but I've been thinking and I'd like to see the manager, please. And so the the waiter said, oh, okay, and went off and brought out the manager. And she said to him, oh, you know, I, I believe you're in here talking about straws. How can I help you? And he just said, well, you know, if I don't have to use a plastic straw, actually nobody here has to use a plastic straw. And I love your cafe, but would it be possible for you to use paper straws? Because then nobody who comes into your cafe will be using plastic straws that could end up in the sea by mistake. So this lady was amazing. And basically they changed to using paper straws in this cafe. So a five-year-old with just a big open heart can make a huge impact. And I, th- I really think that if an adult walked in and said the same thing, it wouldn't have the same effect at all. So I think that's a really important story and one that I tell in all of my talks because if you tell that story, all of the children think, well, he's five and he made a really positive difference. I can do that. So that's an easy thing to do. I don't have to, you know, go and make some monumental change. But if I start doing things like that, that are really easy, then I can help affect people around me. And if everybody's making a difference in their local community, then we'll end up with worldwide change. Brilliant. I love that. That's so nice to see. And what was it that inspired you to do the trip in the first place? Well, I had, as I said, worked in marine conservation biology for around five or six years. And I spent three years working for the um, the BBC Queen of Mantas and Dr. Andrea Marshall in uh, her research centre in Mozambique. And um, during the time that I worked with her, um, studying manta rays and whale sharks primarily, 
we um, took research expeditions out to Ecuador and it was on a trip, in, not actually in Ecuador, but in Indonesia, diving with these uh, amazing manta rays that I just had this life-changing moment where there was four reef mantas, the smaller species, swimming around us and they were circling and, and feeding and what they were actually swimming in was a big plastic soup and there was cups and crisp packets and you could easily identify what these items were. And these animals were swimming around trying to eat plankton, which is the smallest, you know, the smallest animals and plants in the sea. And I just had this moment where I just thought, I can't stay in the water doing this anymore. What we were doing was amazing. And, and the work that the Marine Megafauna Foundation does is incredible and instrumental into getting these animals protected. But I just had this moment of thinking, everyone needs to know about this. If people knew what was happening with plastic when it ends up in the sea, I really believe that people would change their consumer behaviour. And I think that children are a great place to start because adults already have that kind of addiction to the convenience of single-use plastic. So I find that by going and talking to children who are not kind of pinned down by that convenience addiction, you can make a really big difference because they will go home and and talk to their families and maybe change their shopping behaviour. Um, for example, one afternoon I was cycling around New Zealand and this this um well it happened several times actually a, a guy and and a lady stopped me separately and this lady said you're that lady on the bamboo bike you've made my life hell and I said oh what's what's happened and she said my child's driving me mad I can't pick up anything in the supermarket that's wrapped in plastic and it's just making my shopping life so much more difficult and I said okay well you must be so proud of your your child for wanting to make a difference and she said well well yes i am and i said okay so like what changes have you have you made as a result of what your child's been saying and she said well you know we have had to go to a farmers market because all of the vegetables and fruit in the in the supermarket are wrapped in plastic and and we're not allowed to buy those so we're now shopping in a farmers market and i said that's great so you're supporting local businesses and you know organic organic food being grown and she said well yes and I said okay and you know what other changes have you noticed and she said well you know we we have to make all our food from scratch and I was like so you know do you do the food making with your children she said well yeah actually we you know we're more involved in the kitchen making our food together and I said so and are you spending more money because of this and she said well no actually you know it's quite good we're spending a bit less money because we're shopping locally I said so you're spending less money you're eating more healthily and your children are more involved in the food process. And she said, well, yes. And I said, so that sounds like some really great changes. She said, well, she kind of had to concede that actually, yes, mm. this was actually working out quite well. I mean, it was, it was more difficult, but it was just kind of really the habit change. And I think that's, that's what I try and impress, that these things are not really difficult. It's just changing your mindset about what shopping is and about what food is and and what you kind of want to put into your body as well okay actually here's a fun one what changes have you made in your own home in my own home mm. I have shopped I've started shopping very differently and I I do realize that I'm very lucky because I live in a city where there are a few zero waste supermarkets and so I know it's much easier for me than for other people perhaps um, but I've I found it really interesting hunting out uh, places that you can shop that are where your food is packaging free I've also then 
as you kind of get on that journey and start on that path, you start to think about other areas in your life. So you start to think, well, in the bathroom, do I need to have plastic in the bathroom? Can I not just buy a bar of soap? And instead of shampoo coming in a bottle, can I not just buy a bar of shampoo soap? Because there's loads of great products out there available to us. So I feel like kind of little by little, I've changed things. And I think that's the really important thing to remember is that we don't need a handful of people doing zero waste perfectly. And you, you're just flooded by pictures on social media of these kind of ethereal people doing zero waste in this kind of amazing, instatastic, beautiful photo type way. And that's not what we need. What we need is everyone to be shifting from what they are more towards that. And I feel like when you break it down and think about maybe one product at a time. So I run out of a tube of toothpaste and rather than replacing it with another tube of toothpaste, what are the alternatives? So taking on one thing at a time and changing your life slightly, you know, just one step at a time is I think a really big, you know, part of being successful in that rather than thinking I have to overhaul my whole life at once and kind of change how everything's done. I've also kind of really bought into the hierarchy of needs so buying as a as a last option and then you know if you need to buy something new shopping in secondhand shops so I've just started blitzing charity shops and seeing what's available and what's out there and also just mending things and just using what I have so I've recently moved into a flat and I've you know pulled down a few shelves and things and rather than throw them out or sell them I've cut them up and used them for different things doing DIY around the house and uh with yeah with just with my whole outlook in life I'm just trying to mend and use what I have and just change that mentality from thinking I need to buy more I need to have this I need to have that then everything will be fine just thinking actually everything I've got everything that I need and I can just use that and I just find it's it's so satisfying as well so lots of making more making and more mending and using things that I already have fantastic what would you say to people who say you know what plastic doesn't degrade there's already so much of it in the environment it's gone too far I can't be bothered there, there are lots of people who say that. There are. And it is very depressing when you look at the whole overwhelming picture and you just think, what difference can I make? So that was where I kind of started when I had this moment in Indonesia when I was underwater watching these mantas swim in this plastic soup. I just thought, oh my goodness, what difference can I make? Because I'm only one person. But as the wonderful Margaret Mead said, the only thing that's ever changed the world is a small group of people trying to make a difference. And I, so I just kind of really think about it like that. And um, Dr. Jane Goodall set up a foundation, the Roots and Shoots Foundation. And the premise of her foundation, I think, is brilliant, which is that if everybody all around the world is making difference in their own community, that leads to global change. So sure, I'm not going to stop the entire world using single-use plastic, but if I can speak to as many children as possible, then they will go out and be little ambassadors of change. And they're the ones who are going to be paying for what we've done to the planet. So I think that's a great place to start. And as an educator and a primary school teacher, that's kind of where I feel most confident is going back to children and actually empowering them to think this is my future and, and I can make a difference. So I don't know, people, people ask for kind of tips and things like that. And I would say the biggest tip rather than saying, 
carry a single-use water bottle, you know, a, a reusable water bottle, don't use single-use bottles, things like that, rather than giving people a list of things to start carrying around, is just kind of change that mentality from thinking, I can just use that single-use plastic thing. If that thing wasn't available, what would you be able to do instead? So kids just come up with the best answers. You know, I say to them, well, what happens if you go to the supermarket and you forget your reusable bag? What are you going to use instead? Because I know a lot of people who say, well, I've forgotten it this time, so I'll just get this one plastic mm, bag. Just once. But actually, if you just think, no, okay, if, that, if, if they'd run out of plastic bags, I would have to come up with another solution. So I like to think of these problems as a really fun opportunity to problem solve. And pupils have just come up with the best answers, like kind of saying, I'm going to put stuff in my hood or I'm going to put oh, stuff in my pockets <laughs> or my school backpack or something. Yeah. So the other day I'd gone into the supermarket to grab a few things quickly and I got to the checkout and I had no bag and I was wearing a raincoat. So I took off the raincoat tied the sleeves in a knot no. around the collar turned it upside down and turned my raincoat into a bag oh that's brilliant and it was amazing because you always get the same reaction probably half the people in the supermarket look at you like you're completely bonkers absolutely and probably a quarter of the people <laughs> look at you like they don't really understand what you're doing and a quarter of the people look at you thinking that's a really cool idea yeah but if every time you do something like that and I'm, I'm not doing it to kind of be an exhibitionist but I'm just doing it because that solves the problem without using plastic you know even if, for every time you do that if one person thinks I could do that next time or goes home and has a discussion with friends or whatever if you're just making chipping away making a little bit of a difference every day then then I think that will make a difference and I think I know it's I know it's very overwhelming when you think about the whole global problem but I just think you can't lose hope because if you lose hope and you lose the mental capacity to think that there is hope that we can make a difference then what's the point in anything quite the note to end on yes no, you're absolutely right. I think I speak to so many people who kind of say, oh, I read this thing, you'd be interested in it. And I'm like, yeah, no, I, I am interested in it. But actually, you could also be interested in it. It does affect you too. It's not just a thing that I am, you know, enjoying as a phase. I'm yes. not just interested in sustainability and maybe, you know, reducing our plastic plastic emissions, I was going to say. But you know what yeah. I mean? condensing our plastic footprint and um and, and people are just kind of thinking oh yeah it's just a thing that you're going through like, yeah not really it's very relevant to absolutely every corner of this earth I think it's I think it's a really really exciting time to be talking about this because as more and more and more people become aware through things like Blue Planet 2 through you know different documentaries that are being screened as you know people are becoming more aware about you know the footprint of fast fashion about lots of different things not just plastic I think there is this kind of mass awakening and we are really at a tipping point where so many people it's no longer just kind of you know hippie vegan weirdos who are doing this thing whereas I, th mm. I think there was you know kind of a real the habit of kind of um you know pigeonholing people as as vegan hippies if you're into that kind of thing yeah. i think that's really changing now to being actually the the mass public are becoming aware and we're getting this kind of critical mass moving where everybody knows everybody cares and people are seeing that actually if convenience is meaning the destruction of our planet at some point where it's becoming an effect on human health uh, that's no longer convenient and people don't don't want that going forwards.
Absolutely. So what's next for you then? You're back in the UK. You've come back from your bicycle missions. You've come back from diving. Yeah. What's next? I have cycled all around New Zealand. I've cycled across Africa. I um, did a talk in some international schools out there. I was not going to be some white person marching into local villages, you know, ordering people about of what to do. But I did do a few talks while I was cycling across Africa and talked to lots of people about you know plastic use and how they see it out there and that kind of thing and having lived out there for three years as well in Mozambique I have you know a little bit of a handle on on how things are out there uh so that was all self-funded I have come back to the UK because I just think it's such an exciting time to be here with the effect of Blue Planet 2 and people becoming more aware so I think it's a great time to be here and talking on home soil to people I really want to keep traveling around the world eventually talking about these things but it will probably be mainly to english-speaking countries and that's not because i'm a big chicken but because <laughs> i just think it's really important to be able to have in-depth conversations about this and i think that that's kind of where you know i can hopefully support people in other countries doing things but i again don't want to be kind of marching in as some you know privileged middle class white person you know kind of preaching to other people so I think I'd like to probably keep going in English-speaking countries just for the depth of discussion and being able to pass on the knowledge of of what I've been up to and what I've learned along the way great so you've still got the bike I still have the bike she is going strong Good. she's not fallen apart it's not <laughs> light it doesn't float which is usually people's kind of first few questions about it really uh yeah no it's it's a great bike it's really comfy to ride and it's really fun and it draws kind of lots of attention to what to what we're doing and that was something that my pupils helped me design so when when I'd had this life-changing moment in Indonesia I kind of traveled for a little while and just thought what is it that I can do because I think when you see a big problem your next step needs to be kind of introspection thinking about well how can I help like what is it that I've got to offer so I wanted to come back to education. So I came back to the UK. I started working in a school in Richmond, Borough in London. And I used to have uh, regular chats with my kids, the real life superhero chats where we talk about conservation and things that they cared about and how we could help to make a difference. And it was during one of these chats that one of my pupils said to me, Miss, you know, you keep telling us that we can save the world and we don't need to wait until we're adults. Well, you really love the sea. So why aren't you doing something about it? And that just kind of really kicked me because I just thought, well, my initial reaction was I am doing something about it. I'm educating all of you lot about what's going on. And at Meadlands Primary School, our motto, our school motto was dream big. One of the children said, Miss, you've you've missed our school motto. It's dream big. You need to think much bigger. So we're only 30 children or 200 and whatever children in a school. You need to go and talk to as many children all around the world as possible. So this is where the dream kind of came from. And then we talked about the logistics of that mission. So how that was going to that was going to look. And they helped me kind of smash out a plan of it should be something that you've made because you like making things and it should be sustainable. So we came up with a bicycle made of grass. And so my pupils were quite invested in it. And it was really lovely because they put some money towards it as well. So as my leaving present, I said, I don't, I always said to them, you know, at Christmas and things like that, I don't want any presents, but please pick a charity that you really like and give you know, a pound to them and write to me instead and tell me why you've chosen that specific charity. So at the end of the year, you know, the parents said, we would like to give you a present. And I said, well, okay, if you want to pay something towards the bike, because then every time I'm riding it, 
then I kind of feel like actually they're my investors and I'm answerable to them. So in moments where I'm finding it really hard, if I'm in a big headwind or it's raining and I'm heading up some massive hill with 20 kilos of stuff on my bike, I just kind of think, well, I have to keep going because I have to be a good role model for them. And I think some of my pupils had amazing role models at home, but others didn't have great role models. And I just thought, actually, I care about this enough and I care about these children enough that I kind of, I want to be the role model that I think they deserve to have. Yeah. Great. So that was it. Oh, I really? love that. So you don't educate in the classroom on a day-to-day anymore, do you? You're not an active teacher no. in that sense. So now you also educate adults, I would say. You do a lot of talking, a lot yeah. of speeches. Mm. So I've, I've done quite a few presentations since I've got back, which has been really great. And um, I've got some partnerships growing with some really, really great firms that are using kind of natural fibres, making clothing, and also coming up with really great uh, waste-free or very minimal waste um, products to do with cosmetics and things. So I've got all of these, a, f- a few quite exciting projects in the pipeline with various different companies. I've got lots of school talks lined up, but I'd love to get some more in. So uh, head over to treadlighter.org and please do get in touch if you'd like me to come and speak in your school. And um, other than that, I'm, yeah, I'm just trying to get the word out there as much as possible. So I'm very grateful to you for having me on here. It's, it's great oh, it's to... It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Ah, it's great to open up the discussion, isn't it? And just talk about the whole topic. And It really is, yeah. yeah. I think that's the key, isn't it? Just talking about things and inspiring discussion is enough to sow the seeds. Yes. And just not doing it in a depressing way because they're just, <laughs> there's so much, but there's so much discussion where people feel hopeless. And I just think we're too late for feeling hopeless. Like we are literally too late for just sitting on our laurels and thinking that recycling is going to fix it. So we need to get in there and just everyone make a really huge effort to move forwards because that's, that's the only option we've got. So you have to be excited and you have to be hopeful because kids are magic and we can achieve so much. So there we are. That was Libby. Uh, That was actually only supposed to be kind of a 10, 15 minute chat uh, and kind of turned and snowballed into this this huge discussion, which was brilliant. But it does explain why I sound rubbish in that, because I was using a fairly pants microphone and wasn't actually planning on being a part of it myself in any way. But she was super lovely to speak to and so inspiring to go and watch talk. Uh, And you can get in touch with her or maybe get in touch with us if you need to be put in contact with her. Uh, Maybe if you want to go and find out where her next talk is or if you want her to go and talk in one of your schools. So she's awesome. I particularly liked her attitude to um, kind of changing things in your own home uh, and replacing things one by one with more sustainable alternatives uh, as as you run out instead of trying to completely overhaul your life. And that's an attitude that I've kind of taken from our chat. So um, since Lloyd's not here, I suppose I'd better do my what one good thing have you done this week segment completely alone in my room with just a microphone listening. So I have done exactly that and I've gone and gone to Lush and after also having a chat with Sophie Bavel in our cosmetics and toiletries episode not only have I bought now got kind of Lush deodorant I ran up shampoo the other day as well and now I've got a solid shampoo bar uh, which is actually great it's got honey in it and it makes my hair smell fantastic and look not too bad if I do say so myself anyway you can keep in touch with us as usual on instagram and facebook and twitter or drop us an email at forwarditsearthpod at gmail.com if you fancy that let us know what you think and let us know what one good thing you've done this week if you've done something we'd love to celebrate you so we will see you again soon for another episode of forward it's earth Mm -hmm.